This is a HeadGum Podcast. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with BiteClear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. BiteClear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey, listeners. Friendly reminder that we now have a Patreon. If you like what you hear, you can support the pod. Each week, we release video casts of the episodes, mini bonus episodes, reviews of clips submitted by subscribers, behind-the-scenes content, merch discounts, thirst traps, and more. Support our work for as low as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash girlsonporn. Welcome to Girls on Porn. I'm Laura. I'm Rachel. And we love porn. This is our porn review podcast. We talk about what we love and roast what we hate. Helping you find hot, ethical, just plain better porn for your spank bank. And we're looking at everything. It's an exciting episode. It is. It is. Uh, It's been a while since we've had a guest, so it's really, really fun to be able to bring on an actual porn performer. We're so stoked to have Nat Portnoy on with us. Um, If you guys don't know, Nat Portnoy is an actress, artist, and filmmaker who has been active in the European adult scene for 11 years, mostly under the umbrella of alternative porn. In recent years, she has been exploring the connections of sensuality, religion, shame, and freedom. Nat, thank you so much for coming on the show! And what great topics to kick off with. Freedom, shame, porn, yeah. all of these things. <laughs> Favorites. Uh, I think it's closer to porn than people actually think. Uh, yes. It's it's a cycle. <laughs> but we get more into it yeah. during the podcast. <laughs> and I'm really honored to be on this podcast today. I've been listening to you uh, folks for a long time. Aww. And uh, yeah, it's where I go when I want to go to my happy place. <laughs> oh, that's so <laughs> true. That's fantastic. <laughs> yes. That genuinely brings us joy because we're such we're such fans and we hope to be advocates for the space itself so it's actually really incredible to hear that as a performer inside of the industry in a deeper way than we are that you listen to it that's really sweet i think there's not enough actually the reviewing of porn Mm. there is a lot of affirmation like uh porn performers are getting a lot of uh appreciation and Mm -hmm. admiration and shout outs but uh which is good but i think maybe this is more of a perspective of a contemporary artist that we also need feedbacks and we need to be able to look at the creations from like critical thinking perspective yeah to make it better and to stay up to date that's helpful to hear because sometimes we feel like dicks (laughs) like when we're too harsh on stuff it's nice to hear that like yeah it's an art form so critique is is invited and like dialogue and all of that discourse is helpful yeah exactly i don't think there's enough people who think of porn as an art form no yeah that's exactly what we're getting (laughs) at i think Yeah. yeah and it is yeah 
And it isn't always. Like, well, there's plenty yeah, of porn out there that I wouldn't qualify as art. But, sure. like, the same way there's an art entertainment intersection in Hollywood, right. there certainly is in porn. Yeah. Nowadays, people call art lots of different things. Uh, mm-hmm. You have people who create illustrations and they are called artists. And I'm a kind of a dick when it comes to things <laughs> like that. Because I think definitions are made for the reason. And it mm. does help us understand the nature of different mediums. And I know that in porn, this is, this is also difficult because I myself took part in shootings that are of all kinds. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, mm. from this, uh, natural, uh, non-scripted, no makeup. This yeah. is the kinky stuff, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, this kind of porn then through narrative, uh, scenographic costumes, uh, creations with, for mm-hmm. example, Erika Last. So mm-hmm. yeah, it can be very different. And then, some people also who you uh, hosted uh, in the podcast create this artistic um, experimental porn. Mm. It's almost like video art um, that is yeah. using uh, sexuality as a medium to express some things. Uh, and this is something that I think is really interesting when it crosses the uh, borders of definitions and actually it becomes something different for every person mm-hmm. and it leaves to the audience to decide what it does for them. Mm. Yeah, it leaves it open to interpretation. Also, because yeah. I do hate this elitist approach of uh, art and film and everything that it mm. will be understood only for the circle of people that are in this mm. scene. Yes. And this yes. is something ultimately amazing about porn, that it is democratic. <laughs> <laughs> democratic. Yeah. Everyone has desires. Yes. And it, it could be also desire to leave them alone, but still, <laughs> so people can relate um, to the idea of sexual account- encounter, uh, even if they don't have certain fetish. Yeah, I feel like porn is so accessible in the okay. definition. I mean, then you should also pay, but <laughs> yes. that's a yeah. different story. Yeah, we do advocate for paying for your porn, but there are ways. Like there are, yeah. there's a sort of spectrum of ethics to consume it yeah. for free too. Yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit about how you got into porn and where you land on that spectrum from like porn to art or how arty your porn is and like mm-hmm. what that journey was? Okay. Wrap yourself and prepare some snacks. <laughs> we gonna camp now. <laughs> You're gonna stay in your rooms for a while. <laughs> I will try to be quick. So, um, Oh, maybe I should tell you that I actually hated porn for a really long time. Oh, uh, yeah. What were your some of your first experiences with porn? Like, what did you... Yeah, <laughs> let's start there. Yeah, it was something different than I expected, of course. So mm-hmm. I was maybe more than hating. I, I was scared of porn uh, because mm. um, I was interested in sexuality. As a kid, I did experience arousals and yeah. as... Any other person? Oh, maybe a little bit more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so there was a curiosity, but then it was confronted with the situation where I was in primary school and maybe I was 11, 10, 11, and we had a IT class and the teacher went for a break. Uh, the naughty boys from the class were mm-hmm. watching something on a screen. I couldn't see. I had to go through the, <laughs> through the crowd. I, was, I wanted <laughs> to know what everyone is so excited about. Yeah. And it was this mainstream porn of uh, an actress um, lying there with her legs apart and then a bald guy was pushing his head in Mm. and I got terrified and also kind (laughs) of uh, nauseous (laughs) but I had this assumption that sex I mean not all sex is like that but it's probably about extremes about Mm. 
really being ready to go full on gross. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, that is probably hurts. So uh, I decided here and then that I'm just going to be one of those people that don't have sex. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's good. It's fine. I'm going to read about it. I'm going to watch films, but I'm just not going to have sex. And mm-hmm. it kind of influenced my interest because I started collecting, uh, like vintage porn magazines because mm. still I was interested in porn and, and I actually have loads magazines and like oh, albums wow. they oh my are God, all gorgeous. from like 70s oh. and it's like they are from different oh countries God. and wow. like 60s 70s 80s uh and yeah. 90s i already treat as like eh, that was already not the same magic yeah <laughs> something switched yeah 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 yes. and i was really interested mm-hmm. in the aesthetic but also in the way people express their sexuality and if they have fetish why and mm-hmm. what drives this fetish? And I was also diving into psychology and uh, the determinism. So like somebody experienced something in a childhood, uh, used to watch uh, their mom feed and uh, fancy shoes and then the food fetish. So mm. it was all something very interesting for me. And I would talk about this a lot. And my friends would say like, you should go into porn. And I'm like, no, you don't get it. This is yeah. my passion. This, I'm a nerd. <laughs> it would compromise my intellect. I was a bit of a snob as well. <laughs> but at one point, uh, I, um, how to say it, needed money. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and I actually had like a, you know, midlife <laughs> nervous breakdown. Uh, and I realized all the life I had, this perfect student, girlfriend of a guy who has a kid, um, perfect daughter, like everyone expected this roles from me and that it was all bullshit. Mm, yeah. And it had to collapse because I was repressing a lot and I was also scared because people were calling me a slut and nymphomaniac. So I had to keep it all down and pretend that I'm not really having all those needs and that I also am not queer, which I am. So a lot of stress and pressure. So once I had this the breakdown, I dropped out of the university. Yeah. But it was a conscious decision. I realized like this is all something I need to leave behind and start fresh. Uh, and I started fresh with porn. <laughs> And I was lucky enough or privileged uh, that by that time we already had those um, companies that usually it's a team of women, mm. like uh, camera people are women and companies that you also mentioned on this podcast uh, in Berlin. Mm. So this is also a privilege of the European uh, porn scene that mainstream is not really that uh, popular. Um, it's popular to watch it because people can Google it up for free. But when it comes to production, nobody really knows where those productions, at least at the time, it was not sure where they are taking place. But my first shoot, I thought I'm ready in terms of my Catholic trauma, because this is how I call it. <laughs> I'm an atheist, so I, I thought I you know, left it behind, but you never really do. There's something, there's sometimes something there that's like buried. You're like, I have some Catholic stuff to deal with that I feel like right. I left it behind, but like it's still kind of haunting me even if I've mm-hmm. rejected that life. Yeah, absolutely. You have like uh, Italian roots? Both of us do. We both, oh. yeah. <laughs> both, both of Actually, us are. Yeah. Yes. And I talk about that a lot. Yeah, that I'm yeah. like, there's like something in my DNA that makes me so horny, you know, yes. that I just like, I can't fight. And it's like generations oh, yeah. of Catholic, like repressed yeah. sexuality yeah, stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 
So yeah. it's it's like this uh, Catholic trauma residue. It's it's mm-hmm. always there with you in the back of your head, and it was a solo, so it's it was very uh, light in some ways, and uh, mm-hmm. and then I received money, and so that was that was nice. We didn't have transfers <laughs> yet, and it was yeah, so much yeah. money that I couldn't fit it into my poor person wallet. So <laughs> I was stressed. I felt like I should go home, so I took it in and I put it in my coat. And I just went home, but I forgot to get a ticket. There was a controller. He asked me about ticket. I burst in tears because yeah, I thought <laughs> everyone knows. Everyone knows. Yeah. It was just like this, uh, yeah. like Philip Roth writer uh, have the satirical, grotesque paranoia and. Yeah. and uh, <laughs> Yeah, the feeling that everyone knows and this is the one-way street Mm. and I will never be able to go back. Yeah. Uh, But then I slept for 14 hours and I was fine. (laughs) And I'm like, I love it. Yeah. Let's do more. Wow. (laughs) So um, I think this was like the beginning of my not only sexual liberation from those stereotypes that people want to fit women in. Yeah. Yeah. And this uh, also saying kind of goodbye to to some ideas that I never really supported like becoming a mother and wife I mean mm-hmm. I still could theoretically but sure. I, yeah but that was it was never really there that's why I always laugh when people ask what if your kids will bump onto <laughs> your porn in 10 years or 20 years I'm like I don't think it's gonna be on the internet still. People mm-hmm. kind of overestimate, but still, yeah, then, yeah, 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 yeah. But they will know that this is material, yeah. audiovisual material, and I think by by then, with the popularity of OnlyFans, it will be chill. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if we keep doing the Lord's work, we're just to destigmatize porn yes. and sex yes, work, exactly. and we better educate our kids from go mm-hmm. about like porn literacy and sex in general. Then, yeah, I think it's perfectly suitable for a kid to be aware of their parents journey but it sounds like you don't have kids so like why stress it right now (laughs) and like that's not to say that there there are plenty of porn performers who do have kids and they're fine (laughs) yeah exactly it is happening Mm -hmm. this is not something (laughs) but if they ask as this would be some very isolated incident like yeah people do have kids there are plenty of sex workers that have kids and Mm -hmm. I even know uh, sex workers' families where the kids are supporting their parents. And uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, so it can be amazing because it's all about communication. And with Mm -hmm. perception of porn and perception of sex work, uh, the main problem, the the biggest issue is like a French writer said, the hell is other people. And (laughs) it's just, it's exactly that. It's other than that, we would be so happy and enjoy our work without Mm -hmm. shame yeah exactly it's the shame and the stigma it's not the acts from everyone else yeah yeah Yeah. so was that first shoot religiously charged or was it just you personally confronting your Mm. catholicism in the shoot it was personal confrontation Mm, and uh, i think it was so intense because i didn't expect it because i was Mm. so uh, convinced that oh i packed it in a box yeah, so this this journey into porn, starting from those like a little bit silly videos of girls without makeup uh, mm-hmm. having fun together, yeah, 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 <laughs> really helped me to explore my queerness. And yeah, I also had to some, confront some own prejudice and uh, bias. Uh, and I realized 
Oh, I'm so gay. <laughs> like, it was a little bit of a, of a newsflash. And I always tell people porn is such an amazing area to, to explore your queerness because there's no rejection in porn. Yeah. Mm. No co-performer gonna like see you on set and be like, uh, no. Yes. Not yeah. today. <laughs> and such a good point. Even yeah. more important, after the shoot, you won't hear from this person Okay, I cannot commit. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, it takes that yeah, pressure there's, there's, off. It's yeah. without the baggage of the personal inter- interactions. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. soon after that, porn kind of replaced my intimate life. But mm. I mean, it was so good and that I just didn't want to go back to this uh, civilian dating and uh, all this bullshit that comes with it it doesn't have to but it does it come with it you know it can yeah yeah so because in porn at least in my case uh having to work with those uh european performers also like some that you mentioned a lot uh, on the podcast mm-hmm. <laughs> they are all fantastic people that uh, yeah. really are interested in your boundaries your preferences and i also realized that i was not so good before that either i mean i thought i'm a good lover and that it's the the lovers were sucking at it yeah. <laughs> and that i gave my best because i think i was quite obedient and giving mm. but i realized that i didn't really communicate properly either and i did expect the magic to come to me <laughs> yeah you weren't maybe advocating for your own pleasure yeah i think i was expecting and then i was disappointed and i was conditioned like many also polish people and i think it could be present uh, in other nationalities too but especially with the religious uh, background to not talk about pleasure and to telepathically guess what the other person wants mm. and to yeah. make mm. it like film. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like the sex was replaying of some mainstream cliches and yeah. we should just all shut up <laughs> yeah. and fuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then no jokes either and no mm-hmm. noticing funny stuff. Right. So yeah. this really opened my, my head to uh, also things that I could do better and... Uh, yeah, it was great and still paid. So yeah, what else we can want? But at one point, I wanted to go out of this frame of the natural girls, whatever, mm-hmm. <laughs> girls and boys uh, and uh, non-binary folks, uh, and do something with more narration. And uh, I did some little satires and porn with some comedic uh, elements. And uh, I started doing more experimental porn here in Amsterdam. I met other sex workers who were interested in creating audiovisual material and we created the Amsterdam Queer Porn Collective. So uh, within this collective, we created some films and one of them got into many festivals, including Mm. Berlin Porn Film Festival. And I was already, uh, when I was on set with, for example, X Confessions and other bigger companies, I was always taking notes and taking pictures of what kind of equipment they had, what kind of labs they (laughs) were. Sure, sure, yeah. And this was this educational part of my job. And of course, there are lots of performers who are there just to to perform. And then when they have breaks, they they go on their phones, which is okay. Mm -hmm. But I was like, I want to know. Uh, So it was all very handy. And then, yeah, and then I started doing things on my own and created some Mm -hmm. uh, documentary that was about sexuality, but not, um, not totally porn itself. And it did have a lot of, a lot of reflection on religion and the impact of religion 
on our sexuality, mm. on shaping of our sexuality and gender and how we express it or how this repression reflects on our communication with other people. Mm-hmm. Because it is so deeply rooted in our personality that um, we often are not aware of. But yeah, so then I realized I need to recycle this as well, because as much as shame is this ongoing theme of my life, I figured that there is also potential of using shame. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. I was going to say, this is a great segue into non-exploitation. Which is today's topic. Which I, yeah. I think is a genre that's doing exactly that, right? It, it's like, it's leveraging the repression. It's like, there's there's heat in taboo. We talk about this on the show a lot, that like, any, the more you repress something, the more you want to react against that. Yeah. And something as pervasive and powerful as the Catholic Church is incredibly present, even for those of us who aren't officially raised Catholic, you know? Mm-hmm. So I'm curious how how you play with that and and what intrigues you about non-exploitation. So even before I started doing porn, I I had this, I still have it, the little notebook mm-hmm. that I was noting my experiences with different lovers mm-hmm. and depending on their nationality and the religious impact. Mm. And I observed something uh, funny that uh, people from countries like Germany, like the modern people who have no close ties to religion, they tend to approach sexuality more as a logical experience Mm. so like uh, sex is good if there is right speed frequency duration Mm. (laughs) if it's shaven cleaner yeah so it's just their system of measuring uh while for religious folks or folks from religious countries it is more of a wild experience and they they tend to experience sex more intense uh, because it's something forbidden. They mm. didn't deserve pleasure. They should not even be here. Uh, this is like their last day on earth. Like, yeah. ah! And <laughs> it's not that one, <laughs> one person is better lover than the other. Actually, both experiences are good. It's more about how intense is this experience? And this inspired me to really dive into it. What is the impact of shame? And maybe it can make this experience more interesting. Mm. So I do think shame can be useful in some way because you don't take pleasure for granted. Uh, You Mm. know that it it has a cost, so the pleasure is more precious. (laughs) But this is... This is just more of a theory and I realize that I'm personally having a lot of uh, strong feelings about the innocence and the lost innocence. That was my whole issue with becoming a porn star, <laughs> that there is a lost innocence. But with the exploitation, I was heavily inspired by my favorite um, porn director, uh, Valerian Borowczyk. He was a Polish artist who immigrated to France mm-hmm. in the 70s and he created these amazing films that they are not really, they go beyond porn. They mm. are just dramas, surrealist, um, quite feminist films with amazing masterpiece porn scenes. David Lynch, actually, for David Lynch, it's like the idol. Oh, wow. nice. Like he, yeah. he is very much inspired. Yeah. So it's like this hidden gem. Uh, and Valerian Borowczyk uh, directed film Behind the Convent Walls, which is oh. the best non-exploitation film at least from 70s that I watched. It's just so sucking you in and it is building the story Mm -hmm. because I realized porn also is effective when 
uh, there is a good storytelling. Yes. When uh, it doesn't start just from fast fucking. Mm-hmm. There could be fast fucking. I love fast fucking. People assume that I'm totally vanilla because there's a lot of cuddling in my, <laughs> uh, in my films. But I'm like, yes, but it's about different flavors, yeah. you know? Sweet, yeah. sour. Yeah, kinkiness can be quite sweet. Yeah, know? and it is irregular. Yeah. Like, uh, human sexuality is irregular and must be expressed in irregular ways. Right. It's... Uh, and I really dislike this limited, uh, definition of BDSM as well. Yeah. So I wanted to, to dive into non-exploitation and, uh, I was still using some opportunities given to me. So I was on the set of the feature film by, um, a French Swiss director and it was like an experimental very long production <laughs> many weeks in the French countryside oh, wow. and I did Rough ask life <laughs> yeah, yeah that was uh that was my confrontation with okay what it is actually to be an actor yeah. uh, and I'm like uh, it's a hard job yeah. I mean yeah. I was already an actress but this is this is different sure. uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. porn usually is shot within one day and that was many, many weeks of shooting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the, the landscape, the location was so great. And uh, there was also a chapel. Mm. And yeah, and I took, I always take my own equipment with me. So <laughs> I used my brakes <laughs> instead of relaxing. I, I went and I just, I was setting quickly uh, the cameras and shooting my own stuff using the medieval nun costume so uh it's also something that i i find more interesting because if you google up nun porn uh or even non-exploitation there's just a lot of cosplay and Mm. uh, with all respect to cosplay (laughs) i don't think it has this power if it cannot be polyester yeah no i hear you (laughs) i hear you i really agree you know, the elements, the details matter if you want to give this proper storytelling. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was something that I also realized, yeah, this is the kind of films I want to create. Of course, it requires some budget. Mm-hmm. I mean, I make my films with almost no budget and, and I also do everything. Uh, I, I set the cameras, I do the costumes and editing (laughs) but it is a lot of work and uh i would benefit a lot from having some support with that sure so whenever i have opportunity to have that budget i use it and Mm. and then it is really good yeah really good films yeah Yeah. (laughs) but then i'm also aware that uh, i have this script for uh, amazing non-exploitation film Mm. that is also science fiction oh fun and it involves aliens oh there's probably an audience for that i (laughs) feel like that's an intersection of a lot of things that that people want to see if it's not i will find it (laughs) yes Before we go too much further, I wonder if we should define non-exploitation oh, sure, yeah. for our audience a bit more. Yeah. You know, basically any exploitation film is trying to monetize a trend, right? Or monetize mm-hmm. a culture through a kind of like B-level movie. Like that's what we think yeah. about it when we think about exploitation films, whether it's like... Black exploitation. It yeah. is a genre. It's like subgenre of the exploitation mm-hmm. genre that is... Um, Typically involving Christian nuns living in convents. Uh, mm-hmm. And a lot of those films also picture nuns from Middle Ages. Mm-hmm. And uh, this had its peak in in 70s. Uh, mm-hmm. Yes, this term is not only referring to porn. It's also yes. films that are exploiting this this topic. And yeah. 
they had big popularity in uh, Italy because of uh, Vatican and uh, yeah. in Spain as well because those countries have uh, yeah a high ca- Catholicism, high yes. rates of like very pervasive Catholicism yeah. uh, majority in those countries. Yeah. Fun fact that uh, scientists uh, found that people who are religious actually to watch a lot porn mm-hmm. so yeah uh it's probably relative and changing but this is something that i know from from lived experience as well yeah. and yeah. Uh, it is like a cycle you know they watch they sin they go and confess they sin again mm-hmm. so they can go to yeah. confess it's uh, a yeah, they paint a slate they confess right. they sin again yeah exactly. but it's sort of like the most distilled idea of like sexual repression from the church you know yeah. like of course like i i who hasn't thought like what are those nuns up to you know what i <laughs> yeah. mean like what's under that habit <laughs> yeah, yeah like what are they up to in there like they're yeah. all just sitting there alone come on yeah but it's also kind of um i don't know in researching this episode i was fascinated to know that a lot of it there are some sort of like historical figures and like true stories that it's you know that they do get some of this this um, some of this has like, like origins in history yeah, yeah i have yeah. no idea about i don't know if you're familiar with this nat but our wonderful intern pulled some additional research for us i had not heard of this fabled nun of monza mm. this is 17th century 14 year old mariana de leva daughter of a par- powerful aristocratic family was sent to live in a convent, continued an affair with her lover, had several children, or two children, and and then when a nun at her convent threatened to expose she and her lover, they murdered her. Oh. Which is, I I didn't know that that was like maybe an origin of some of the, the right. non-exploitation genres in and outside of porn. And also Sister Benedetta Carlini. Mm-hmm. Mm. I don't know if you guys remember, a few years ago there was a Paul Verhoeven who did um, mm-hmm. Basic Instinct and Showgirls. He made a movie about, Bene- it was called Benedetta and it was at like Venice and Cannes and, mm. and it was like another like erotic thriller. But it, it's based on a real nun, an Italian Catholic nun um, who had like visions and she had like a relationship with another sister and and said that it was this, this this like demonic spirit that was coming into her and and forcing her to to do these things mm. Mm. yeah very handy excuse yeah believable exactly. in the church you know? <laughs> exactly <laughs> yes yeah. um a lot of the times the those films are inspired by real stories also the yeah. film by ken russell which is uh, another director that i really like uh mm-hmm. he didn't really do porn but he did some really campy interesting films like horror oh yeah <laughs> about the life um like a day from a sex worker uh, life uh, i mean it's kind of grotesque but at the same time it's really uh, really good and uh he made this film uh, devils mm. yeah it's like a cult film yeah don't you know it <laughs> it <laughs> I is american know it. <laughs> so yeah, yeah he, devils is about like a presence of this uh handsome priest that just um yeah, it creates a lot of chaos and uproar uh, among the nuns. But it, I mean, it is more than that. But yeah, it's like a drama. And yeah, how those uh, nuns are ready to do anything right, once they right. believe in this. So yeah, there's a lot about also submission and uh, mm-hmm. dominance. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think, but this film is like special. It's, uh, it's also about Catholic Church yeah. uh, and the hypocrisy. But I really like that with most non-splitation, this is also about a resistance and, or like the, the rebel, because mm-hmm. the, it's, it is like a symbolic representation of, uh, 
going against the authority. Yeah. It's like a feminist um, mm-hmm. gesture of uh, yeah. Yeah. of rebelling, really, uh, yeah. opposing this uh, subordination. So this is something what I find, I think, personally most interesting. And this is also why I like to watch non-splitation and I find it really hot because of this discovery of one's freedom. Mm. Because the freedom is not such an obvious given thing. Mm. Uh, right. We need to believe in it. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is what I love about those films. And, uh, and there are some stories, uh, including nuns, that are still untold, which um, yeah, very interesting, uh, that I think I could take care of uh, directly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Once I find sponsoring, because this is a tricky bit as much as um, there are companies who would be willing to to produce uh, interesting pitch. Non-splitation is tricky because of the audience. It is a bit of a controversial oh. take because it involves yeah. religion. And it's funny because we uh, produce different films with some crazy fetishes and normalize them. And we are very body positive and sex positive about them. But still, religion is is a tricky one. And there could be... It's charged. Just, when you come for the church, like there's always going to be some blowback yeah, there. For, for sure. sure. And it could be just a risky business for, for yeah, the company yeah. to produce that. Well, let's see. Yeah. I will have actually conversation with the big producer. So maybe, we'll see. maybe we'll see we'll see happen. Yeah. yeah. And if not, I will make it my mission to do it by myself. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. I love that. Love that. Love well, we'd love that. to talk more about your work. Let's take a quick break and then we can talk about a couple of your films on the other side. Cool. This HeadGum Podcast is brought to you by Aura Frames. That is right. Uh, from grandmothers to new mothers, aunts, even the friends of your life, every mom loves an Aura Frame. Holy shit, even aunts? Yes, especially aunts. Oh, well. Because it was named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter and selected as one of Oprah's favorite things. I mean, these Aura Frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. I believe it. You have an Aura Frame, don't you? Yes, I actually more than believe it. I know it. Uh, I've got one for my mom, my mother-in-law, my grandmother-in-law. And dare I say your aunt? And dare you say my aunt and my aunt-in-law. Everyone's got one. Everyone loves them. I mean, Mother's Day is right around the corner, and there's no better gift than a digital photo frame. You give them the frame. It's got preloaded pictures in there. And you know what? You can update it with an app. So every time you take a new picture of a sweet little a person or place or thing in your life, it gets automatically sent to that frame. Exactly. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. Holy smokes. Excellent deal. Yeah, that's A-U-R-A Frames.com. You use the code HEADGUM at checkout to save. HEADGUM. Nice. Yes. HeadGum. It's easy to set up. It's loved by everybody, including Oprah, including your aunt. Mm-hmm. So do check them out. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code HeadGum at checkout to save. Damn right. And terms and conditions apply, of course. Of course. Thanks again to Aura. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. 
The other thing that I'll say that the Catholic Church has to offer is like really delicious iconography. Like there's some great yeah. aesthetics. Oh my God, the right? costumes. I love it. Yeah. The crosses. Yeah. <laughs> Which you beautifully incorporate in mm-hmm. your work. Yes. I mean, I could say that with respect to Bliss and a Holy Tree, which are two short yes. films that we watched of yours. That you did everything for. Yeah. Yeah. Like Bravo. Production off, design. You know? And it's, I guess you were telling us before the break that some of the costumes were borrowed from another production or were both of these independently yes, yeah. produced completely? Okay, got no, it. Got they it. Were, the, yeah. it was borrowed because I was already on that set. Yeah. Mm-hmm. However, I do have costumes at home as well. Yeah. And I always uh, redesign stuff myself as well. Like mm-hmm. I like uh, the original stuff. I mean, as good as it could be, you know, I mean, I do a lot right. of, um, I mean, majority of my clothing is uh, vintage anyway, and like 70s. Sure. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, but this was basically the medieval costume that I thought it's gonna be cool to use it anyway. And I did ask for permission. Mm-hmm. But uh, other than that, yes, I, I used what I had on the set. And uh, yeah, it was quite of a spontaneous production. Normally, I do the planning, mood board, script, and everything mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, in this case, it was more like, okay, so I have this afternoon free. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah, yeah, I was there with Bishop Black. Uh, and oh, we're such a fan of him. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we're such fans of Bishop. Yeah, are they cool in real life? Yeah, of course. <laughs> yes. Yes, they are really cool, and uh, yeah. we are good friends for many, many years. And it is quite funny because we met, I think, about 12 years ago, mm-hmm. and it was not in the context of porn. Bishop mm. was doing a performance, and they had like a laser sticking up his anus. And in oh. a, like a dark, um, it was like a museum space. It was like an art performance. And there was just like this laser going. And all my fellow, I was an art student mm. at that time. Not very great. I was drunk a lot, but <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Artist life. Yes. And uh, they were all sitting in silence, just completely awkward and terrified. And uh, once Bishop was close to me, I gave them a slap on the on the bottom. And my <laughs> fellow students were, oh my God, Natalia, why you always have to do something like that? Yeah, You're impossible. But I just thought it was funny because it was breaking yeah. the seriousness. And uh, yeah. yeah, and this is how we met and we stayed in touch. And uh, eventually we were working on uh, films together. And yeah, we hang out together and we are, Amazing. yeah, we are very close friends. And this also made me uh, realize that you can have like friendships in porn that are quite mm-hmm. hard to define, like, there is sexuality and lots right. of tender, but there is no heaviness of a relationship. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, that was, uh, and creating yeah. those films was inspired by the situation there. And I'm mm-hmm. often creating art. Uh, also, I do photography mm-hmm. based on something it's, that yeah. really interests me here and then. Uh, so mm-hmm. there was this uh, tree that was 100 years old <laughs> or longer, even mm-hmm. older, I mean. And I know that this tree used to be a part of the uh, kids play mm. and the owner of this villa and this territory would tell me that as a kid, he would uh, climb on the tree and they would just hide there and uh, play this um, imaginary scenarios and then I'm like well I'm gonna do that as well just yeah. in an adult context yeah. <laughs> and uh, I thought this is such a unique opportunity and something that just already 
creates this story in a way. And right. in this film, I'm, I wanted more to give the feeling of this, um, awaking sexuality, uh, yeah. of a nun <laughs> mm. and the nature. So it's like mm -hmm. connecting this, um, overwhelming need of expressing yeah. uh, oneself but also be together with the nature almost as yeah sex is a primal and natural yes. thing so i love that i was gonna say my favorite thing about both of these videos as holy tree and bliss is that there's nothing sort of shameful mm. about the the sex itself which is rare i think in like you know because a lot of people want to like lean in to like the shame or the repression in like non-splitation or like religious um porn videos but i loved that it was sort of like spiritual and which always makes me think like wow the church really missed an opportunity with like without <laughs> like like they, they could have like because sex and orgasms are so so, like when you think of like awesome like they are you you do get to like yeah. I, I always call it like the sex dimension like you do go to like another state like mentally physically a spiritual spiritually. state yeah. yeah it's a spiritual state and like the church really missed an opportunity instead of like you know they could have used that, that as opposed yeah, to fight that and repress exactly. that yeah they exactly should produce they should produce porn yeah i mean <laughs> you know because it is sort of like that's the closest i've ever felt to seeing god is like when i'm coming you yeah. know yeah. and so i really love that i also like there was another i mean just the opening shot of you in like in front of the tree with like the light moving across your face was just like stunning okay. i just thought it was a gorgeous shot i loved also your glasses fell at one point and it was just really cute. And I thought, I love that you kept it in. <laughs> and then also the contrast of leaving a habit on, but being naked. Yeah. Is also like so important. Yeah, I think again, like keeping the, the props, the costumes yes. of yes. the thing that you are imploding, you know, keeping like the context. Yes. Yeah. Like pulling the habit open and not a polyester habit, mm -hmm. by the way, yes. I don't know what it was made of, yeah. but it looked like burlap. Like it looked like the real like, fucking, like, real. I'm a nun, yeah. <laughs> you uh -huh. know, but like uh -huh. pulling that open and like keeping that as uh, mm -hmm. an element of it. Like we love to see when people keep a little bit of clothes on or pull panties to the side, like fuck with urgency, right. you know, mm -hmm. but it was especially mm -hmm. useful here because it was like leaning into the actual, uh -huh motif of the whole yeah. film to leave it on yeah. you know like you're keeping the religion on but mm -hmm. violating it at the same time it's it's hot it was a really yeah. really cool choice thank you i also loved one of my favorite parts was the foot the shot of the foot <laughs> because i am someone who comes with their feet like my feet are my toes are curling they're they're i'm like getting a charlie horse and i thought that was just sort of like a beautiful way of like you know, I we we always talk about like what you what you're not seeing, you know, mm. to show that as like the orgasm. I thought that, was just, that like, so tension smart. is like what titulates. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that was really smart. I really loved it. Thank you. Yeah. yeah so we just brought you on to compliment you. We really yeah. love <laughs> your work. Uh, and um and now also in bliss. Also, yeah, great, perfect. <laughs> um, just what we wanted. Bliss. Also, I mean, similar things. I mean, I loved that there was sort of. I mean, I don't know what, like, the intention was there, but uh, my, my idea of, like, what the narrative is, is that, like, Bishop is some sort of, like, worker, you know, like, working in the grounds. And, like, the interaction almost starts just pretty innocently. Like, you don't assume, like, sex is going to happen. Like, there is sort of, like, you know, maybe he's praying, he's or maybe they're praying, they're kneeling, and you sort of approach them like a nun or a priest would. Like, mm -hmm. oh, like, bless you, like, a, in a blessing way, almost a, almost a blessing. 
And then again, like the sex act, like them going down on you and leaving like the clothing on. Yeah. And all, again, no shame. It's also shame. very worshipful. It also yes. feels much like goddess or mother worship, yeah. which is extremely Catholic as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I really, mm-hmm. especially with Blessed. Uh, so this was always when you uh, have uh, another performer in film, there are more contexts and uh, and it's also about dynamic and yes. um, relationship and yeah. And this cannot be random. It's like everything means something. So yeah. uh, with this film, I didn't want to uh, have only one uh, one possible interpretation because I really like the audience to be able to to tell that story in their way. Mm-hmm. But uh, basically, I wanted to play with some stereotype mm. where usually the man of color is the one who is seducing and uh, yeah. overpowering um, mm. white woman. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I wanted to flip it, and I really like to just not play into people's expectations but uh actually play with those expectations and and actually show that the power dynamic can be very relative and mm-hmm. there's no no point in assuming um mm. who seduced who i think i think in this film uh it is clear that it's coming from both but it's uh still the non takes some initiative and uh yeah she's not the passive submissive um object so uh yeah. yeah it is there is always a little bit about the power dynamic that i want people to rethink and uh mm-hmm. not just the things that they always watch um and uh, ultimately i wanted to be also about good sex and uh, mm-hmm. we decided i mean full penetration uh would be tricky <laughs> in these yeah. circumstances but i also realized like yeah, people always expect the, the porn to have this um, the same structures. It starts from blowjob, then it's yeah. We talk about that a lot. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was laughing when I heard you making fun of this because this was something yeah. that I always found so boring. And yeah, yeah. it's very played sexuality out. Sexuality is not like that, and sexuality yeah. is really something more than penetration. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I wanted to show that yeah, the sex can be expressed in different ways and also each is valid Mm -hmm. and very powerful and there doesn't always need to be an orgasm yeah exactly i mean uh i'm kind of person that so this is something that i just do i uh it's not obligatory and i don't expect this from every co-performer but when i started doing porn i also figured that okay i'm gonna have real orgasms because first of all we are spending like eight or 12 hours on set naked and what we gonna just pretend like yeah <laughs> let's <laughs> and then i'm gonna get home all horny and tense and then masturbate it's just doesn't make yeah. sense so much yeah yeah <laughs> so i kind of trained myself to also make myself available for that it's mm. i always tell people because they're like yeah but this is like there's camera and there's time pressure you can train. You can train everything. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> that makes sense because I had to. I had to train myself to be vulnerable enough to have orgasm during sex. You know, yeah, like I discovered partner, that through yeah. masturbation. So, like doing that with someone witnessing it was something that was like tricky for me yeah. as an adult, like coming into my own sexual comfort. You know, so I imagine mm-hmm. 
similarly, like you can become comfortable with the cameras. You can choose to be like, how do I find my presence? How do I find my vulnerability in order to like really engage in this as opposed to perform it, you know? And I know that's every performer's choice that not a lot of performers do it that way, but yeah, it's fascinating to hear that you do. And uh, it's not always something that easy, but I think it also assures audience that yeah, <laughs> they are not doubting my orgasm. Also because, right. yeah. <laughs> and I like to uh, emphasize that the real orgasm is not, usually it's not that pretty. It's, yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> we talk about this a lot, yeah. you know. It's not when your face looks, you know, um, sexy. And, uh, right. But I do think we need to normalize that because people yeah. then get surprised when they have sex and they see someone having real orgasm and they are terrified and mm-hmm. yeah it, <laughs> or terrified of themselves like scared to right be anything but like perfect and performative yeah, and pretty ugly. you know yeah yeah which is silly yeah well should we talk briefly about possession as well before we yeah, wrap up the episode because I, I love yes. this too yeah yeah i love this because you know and and we didn't really talk about this earlier but like there's also the idea that, like, sex is, like, representing, like, the devil or, like, yes. um, you know, like, it's, like, something else that's resp- that is that is responsible for, like, this, yeah. the sexuality. Mm. And I really loved this this video. It's called Possession. It's on Alt-Shift. We found it on um, Pink Label. And it is sort of, like, a horror-esque nunsploitation. And there's this great, like, it starts with, like, you know, it, I maybe I was reading into this, but it had, like, a 1970s vibe. You know, like it was a different time. Like this is again like peak nunsploitation. A hint of like the exorcism aesthetic. Yeah, you know, like yeah, there's a lot of films uh, we could reference that have that retro right, right. or the idea of like finding recordings of like someone else who this is mm. like previously happened to mm-hmm. is also like, you know, has such Leans a into the um, horror aspect. The yeah. horror of it that like there was previously like, you know, you're finishing the the research of this other nun <laughs> and you get the recordings and this other nun is talking about how you know, she found this book and like the images in this book are like haunting her. And basically then this demon comes and possesses you. And I loved it. I loved the idea of it like shooting through the woods, the spirit like flying in, taking over your body. And the just the striking image of like eyes being rolled back into the head, you know? Yeah, I was going to say like the image of possession that like looks like mm-hmm. the image of coming sexual ecstasy. Yeah. Yes, yes. It's parallel. Yeah, I am someone who when I come, like my eyes are rolling in the back of my head, yeah. you know? <laughs> so, and like the idea of like writhing, um, I just, there were so many things about it that I loved, like the dress popping open, like something like something pulling your panties like the white like kind of virginal panties down and like the cross sort of like there was like a cross like your necklace like falling across your body like almost like getting tight across your throat like it was like rejecting the the religious you know on your that's on your person yeah it just reminded me i remember seeing the show at the box here in in new york of like this this it was like a non-sploitation show where like this nun was getting like possessed and she started she like fucked herself on stage with like a with like a, <gasps> a crucifix fix that had a dildo on the yeah. end yeah and yeah. it was like a demon yeah it was it was incredible that like you know so it was good. like she like yeah. squirted it. it was great yeah we have a friend who does some nun play uh at a sex yeah. party like a big sex party in new york and los angeles yeah. as well it's a really cool yeah. genre that's really good i want to know yeah about it. i will i will ask yeah. later about this yeah. <laughs> yeah but yeah i just loved like the contortions of the body like you know like the writhing and when 
you do come like there's like almost like a look of like fear like confusion Mm, that I can relate to as someone who like I'm like what's happening you know yeah but that also leans into the idea that this would be a like someone who wouldn't understand those feelings yeah that which is hot in itself again it like leans into the taboo Mm -hmm, yeah mm -hmm. so all around and then also also the demon (laughs) then like leaves your pussy like after you come it like shoots back into like you know I loved that Yeah. yeah also shooting process was so amazing because uh, mm. I really love working with Outshift. Uh, yeah, that's great to know. People who uh, who run this, it's it's a small company, and uh, but they yeah. do work for another uh, companies, and yeah, it's the, the same team, and yeah. they are my favorite people to work with. Uh, yeah, basically, yeah. Uh, they are based in UK, so uh, it is mm. tricky for me to, uh, for example, yeah, collaborate with them on a regular basis. Sure, but uh, yeah, when they offered this to me, uh, I was like, it's just like you know, yeah, <laughs> what I've like, been up yes. to, because <laughs> uh-huh, I was, uh-huh. I was just, we just finished filming this, uh, this long feature experimental film where I'm mm. playing. Uh, a nun as well so I was like yeah. this. I think this is like the theme that's You're gonna be on a be... nun trip yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it's following me uh-huh. uh, and uh, it was just so also so easy because they're very really great producers and uh mm. They can re- write really good scripts and everything mm. was just very uh, pleasant because they knew what they were doing. And this is something that I miss in a lot of mm-hmm. like, collaborations with, let's say, fellow performers. Yeah. And this is also why I'm not really going for like content creation uh, much. Yeah. And not, not because I find, yeah, it could be probably also beneficial uh, financially, but yeah, I, I like interesting projects. You have artistic sensibilities and curiosities. Yeah, yeah I love that. It can be also ridiculous. It, it doesn't have to be the, the arty project, but it, it sure. needs to have something interesting for me to, to dive in, to spend time for. Yeah. And it's sometimes it's really not about money. Like this was just very, um, yeah. there was a very modest budget, but I, I would totally go for it again. Yeah. Yeah. And we shot it actually after another big production it was just something to do at the mm. end before wrapping everything <laughs> oh nice uh, so oh there god was it's so good time. and i remember that um the person who uh who is in this production helped me to apply lenses because i never mm. done that in my life before it was yeah. almost like girls time like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> pajama party but just yeah. a bit more crazy <laughs> and yeah. uh yeah the shooting was so fun and the ideas they got to make it supernatural like the mm-hmm. opening of the dress there were like this yeah. ah, I'm not gonna spoil it because uh, I want yeah. people to feel <laughs> excited watching it yeah no it's so hot it's yeah. a very hot film yeah and I think the best is that uh, I like to take part in those projects and I rarely watch my films um like immediately after they are released because for me mm-hmm. it's more about the experience that I had and mm. yeah. being something like really great and pleasant uh, yeah. and surprisingly this film got some awards and uh, also the math magazine uh, award for the, oh. the best porn oh. film yeah so it was surprised because it is amazing but I just didn't think that so many people will yeah. be that pleased so uh, that was yeah. such a nice surprise and such a good thing for Outshift and uh, yeah, they deserve a lot of attention because they do some really, yeah. really cool stuff and they're really ethical. They are treating performers yeah. 
the best and uh, they give the least stress because um, mm. working in porn is ultimately stressful. It can be stressful. Yeah. yeah. You need I to be to on that. schedule and you need to yeah. reply to emails and sometimes one production can require uh, like 35 emails yeah. and this yeah. is just like one week yeah. and uh, you have to be on your phone all the time. You have to go get tested and yeah. I mean, but this have to be done. Like you need to give up other things to do it. But with Outshift, this is always, they manage somehow to make it just smooth. Everything is there as Love well. That. But yeah, so I really wish to, to have more projects, uh, like offered to me that are in this, yeah. uh, horror sci-fi, uh, manner. Yeah. There's not much of this uh, in porn. I feel like, um, mm. like this, they could, there's a lot of, uh, queer and there's a lot of, uh, RT. Or like mm -hmm. glamour, sty stylish porn, but I, yeah. I haven't seen much horrors, um, which know. is crazy because we talk about how in horror films it's like the same, so sexually charged, yeah, like very. You're like what happens in your brain, you know? Yeah, the it's pleasure like, centers like, are adjacent. Yeah, adrenaline, yeah. Similar, it's yeah. the yeah. same areas. Exactly. So mm -hmm. uh, it was such a such a pleasure, and um, it's also inspiring you to you know, okay, there is not much of this kind of porn. Let's make it. You always need right. to be like exploring this on your own then because people will follow eventually. Yeah. <laughs> and yes. I, I really wish performers and producers were more brave in this uh, choice mm. of topics and scripts mm. because I feel like a lot of companies still play safe to, to please their sure. subscribers and to keep. Yeah keep that base of subscribers, which makes sense from the business uh, standpoint. But it also is raising the possibility of uh, getting the new base of followers, yeah. subscribers. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. And I think religious people are this, uh, the potential. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's something that's happened to for sure. Thank you so much for being here, Nat. This was a fascinating conversation, and we love to like peek behind the curtain and hear about the work and how it's made. Yeah. And, and we love to hear that you have good experiences with companies that we champion right. here. So yes, that's wonderful. What do you want to plug? Where can people find you? Or find what your you, work. What are you yeah. pointing people to these days? So I just want to mention uh, regarding my work that nowadays I actually work also at a nonprofit organization where I'm doing uh, other than the activism stuff. For sex worker rights i also do tours uh, for mm. red light district oh hell and, yeah uh, this is from uh, prostitution information center in amsterdam and this is also funny because the red light district is uh and our place is just in front of the church there are sex workers mm. and oh, the perfect. church and this is interesting because a lot of people get shocked by this presence this proximity and then mm. ask me like who allows that like why is it here with those women yeah. and i tell them that um well this is pretty simple the church is uh manufacturing the guilt and shame and sex workers are utilizing it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's working perfectly together. Yeah. So this is something also I do and people can come and get information and also participate in the, in the tours. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, uh, other than that, I'm on social media. Uh, I'm on Instagram as Nat Portnoy and on Instagram, there's also a link to my link tree that lists all the other 
600 things that I do. And uh, yeah, my films are also on pink labels. So if people click on my link from that link tree, they also support me by uh, by buying the films there. So uh, I I encourage. Wonderful. (laughs) And I really would like people to, uh, first of all, enjoy themselves. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Love that. Right. Thank you so much again, Nat. I know. Thank you this for coming This is wonderful. On. Thank you. And thank you so much for listening to Girls on Porn. You can find us on Instagram and TikTok at Girls on Pern. On Twitter, for as long as it lasts, at GOP the Podcast. Our website, girlsonporn.com. And on Patreon.com slash Girls on Porn. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the show if you haven't already. And hey, if you want to leave us a little cheeky five-star review, we get a lot of sex-negative reviews out there because we're two girls talking about porn. So every five-star review goes a long way to us. This has been Girls on Porn, the only GOP that's actually any good. That was a HeadGum Podcast.